Please won't someone tell me I'm okay. Hi, welcome to Tell Me I'm Okay. I'm your host, Andra Whipple. And on this show, we tackle all our biggest and smallest anxieties through learning. Every episode, we have an expert come on to talk about an issue that terrifies me and tell me if I'll actually be okay. And lucky for us, I'm filled with infinite anxiety, so we could do this show forever. Today's topic is social media, because I also watched that one scary documentary where the boy with the flippy hair melted his brain on Facebook, and I don't want that to happen to me. As with every episode, in addition to the expert who we'll bring on in a second, I'm also joined by a funny friend who shares my fear. And today, that friend is Vinny Tangerlini. Vinny performs at Comedy Sports in Second City in Chicago. Hi, Vinny. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so Vinny... Uh, you are one of my oldest and dearest friends, but the real reason why I brought you on today is because, well, I, like many people, started Facebook like as soon as I could, which was right when Facebook came out when I was 13. Um, you actually didn't join social media until you graduated college. Yeah, I had like a secret Facebook in college and then got my own big boy account when I graduated. And I want to also say for the listeners that the secret Facebook was a Facebook that was run entirely by me. And in no yeah. way something that you actually used or touched. No. I think you would tell me to log in. <laughs> like, I, I think for me, what I'm really afraid of about social media is that since I've been honest since I was so young, that it's, like, gotten into my brain and, like, somehow messed with my, like, dopamine receptors and my reward understanding and all of the, like, mm. I feel like it's melted my head. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's not the scientific term, but I'm still afraid of it. And for yeah. you, like you didn't have that. It didn't get into your brain until you were older. So like, how do you feel about that? I mean, like it's sort of a trap, right? Like I, I was so good about like, I don't really want to get involved with this. I don't want to be in the arguments. I don't want to do the thing. But then uh, I moved uh, across the country. And so the best way to stay in contact with people seemed to be Facebook, you know, in the mid 2010s. So, uh, you know, what do you do? And so now I'm trapped in the doom scroll that is Facebook <laughs> where you you see one thing and then you follow it and you're just spiraling into it. So I definitely share a little bit of your fear. I think it was weird coming at it from an adult perspective rather than like a teenager perspective. Yeah. Um, but you still and, find yourself like scrolling and stuff like that in the same way that I do. Yeah. And getting just righteously indignant and pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's not like that can't be good for my brain. The amount of time I spend being angry and frustrated about things that are like really not a big deal. I get in like I've, I have a rule about not getting in Facebook fights anymore, but I still read other people's Facebook fights. Same, same. <laughs> I go down a page. I know they raise my blood pressure. <laughs> I know they upset me and they and they they mess with my health and everything else. Like, I know they're a mess. I'll look at a dude's posts and I'll read every one and they're all awful. And I'll just be like, oh, so I feel you. I definitely share the fear of the what it's doing to my anger levels. <laughs> Well, since we're so afraid, I mean, let's bring on the expert, right? Let's let's talk to her and let's ask her our questions because we it sounds yeah. like we have a lot. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Brittany Davidson. She's an assistant professor of analytics at the University of Bath, and she studies the impact of digital technologies on people and society for a variety of applications from health to security. Britt, I'm so excited. Welcome. Hey, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. In case you haven't guessed, Britt is coming to us all the way from England. Uh, so this is truly an international podcast now. We're very excited about it. <laughs> so Britt, obviously, we brought you here because I am very afraid of 
everything in the world. Um, but more specifically for this moment in time, we're talking about how afraid I am of social media. And I am one of those people that is like, I'm always on it. I'm on it for like my job, which is being like a comedian and a writer. Um, I'm my job, uh, my <laughs> life. It's all kind of blended. But like, I'm really like, I'm truly like, I'm really sucked in. Um, but my big question is like, what does the actual science say about mm. how social media affects mental health? Well, so yeah, um, there's a lot of science on this and it kind of depends on the where your threshold of quality is um, and you'll get different <laughs> answers according to where that threshold sits. So you mean like quality of study, like if the yeah. study is higher or low, okay. So for decades there has been evidence in quotation marks um talking about how sort of like any technology that you can possibly think of is inherently bad for society so you can kind of go back even to the 1400s and you can start thinking about like the printing press and how apparently that was going to have a huge impact on printing knowledge rather than talking about it you know the greeks also had you know concerns around the alphabet um, because this would impair memory. So we've always had these kind of fears of new technologies. Like, um, you know, in the early 1900s with the first cars, there was like the most amazing... Um, it was a newspaper article in the New York Times that was talking about the idea of having an elongated brain from very high-speed travel. <laughs> and, <laughs> right? Um, I have to email you a picture of that. It's amazing. Um, so we've oh God, always had these technologies, that. like the phone was going to cause people to become mentally ill or deaf. Um, and this was a rumor that was started by telegram companies. So it's kind of like... <laughs> Those the... pesky telegram companies <laughs> right? always getting in our business. Showing sure, some... you. <laughs> right? Um, so it's super interesting to kind of think about the latest technology. So, you know, we still will get annual articles across various media outlets talking about how Wi-Fi causes cancer, as well as how um, microwaves cause cancer. So we're very familiar with these and we know that's been more or less debunked. Things like video games. Again, there's been a big narrative for decades around how video games cause violence, um, how people get addicted to them. And again, it's been pretty much debunked. And we're sort of heading that way again with things like social media usage and smartphone usage, because they're the two that are in the limelight right now. So a lot of this work of the lower quality will ask people about their technology use. So it is literally me kind of saying, hey, Andra, how, how long do you think you spent on social media today? And I would probably estimate wildly wrong. Like if you asked me, I'd be like, I don't know, 10 hours. I don't think that's actually right. But I'm like, I'm going to flagellate myself on the answer to the question. I feel like a lot of people do that when you ask them about their behavior. They either like will pretend that they're much better than they are or they'll they'll be like mm. they feel bad about themselves. They'll be like, I'm much worse. Yeah. So we're not very good at estimating what we do with our technology. And this is probably because it's pretty integrated. As you say, like I'm literally paid to be on social media, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> um, so I spent a lot of time on Reddit, obviously, for research reasons. Um, and, you know. No, it's really deeply ingrained. So we're really bad at estimating how long we probably spend on any device or particular website. It does not align with actual behavior. So a lot of our work, we've literally asked people, how long do you think you spend on your smartphone or social media? And then we got from their phones via um, digital traces how long they actually spent on it. And they're really different. So, were they like way lower or way higher? 
or both? They massively overestimated. Um, And then some people also underestimated. So it's kind of interesting. So people kind of suck in both directions. Um, (laughs) And we don't really know why either. But what we did find is that um, older people tended to overestimate and young people tended to underestimate. Um, The thing that's kind of interesting is the other way that um, technology use is measured is by giving people like sometimes 33 items and I ask you to rate how strongly you agree or disagree with it. And it comes up with a arbitrary score and this will say how problematic or addictive or how long you spend on your smartphone. And this is kind of a weird... That sounds very weird. Yeah. And it doesn't really align to behaviour at all. So again, we found consistently that these measures also don't align. And the reason why I'm telling you about these strange measurement practices is because this is pretty much what the whole field does. So they'll ask you to either estimate or you do this psychometric scale and they'll have items like, my friends and family feel like I'm on my phone too much. Or, you know, the occasional positive one, which is I feel liberated when using my smartphone. Or there's one that talks about smartphone buddies. What is a smartphone buddy? I don't know. Um, So you have really weird items in these scales that aren't validated and not properly developed. So Yeah, that sounds really weird. And also, I feel like it could change depending on the day, like some days. Uh, you know, if my if my fiance had just complained about me being on my phone all the time, then I might have a different opinion than the day before before he'd said anything. So it's like a really subjective scale. Absolutely. And the key is in subjective. So what a lot of this work um, does when it's talking about how technology is inherently bad for society is that they'll give you one of these scales or ask you for a time estimate and then they'll give you a depression or anxiety scale. And they will do a correlation to see, do they typically go in the same direction um, or the opposite direction? How strong is this relationship? Mm. Bam, you're addicted to your phone. I really do not think if anybody did a correlative study of my anxiety, you would be able to correlate it to any one particular thing because it's for everything. (laughs) Right? It's crazy to me that you would just be like, oh, yeah, it's phones. Like, oh, it's everything. It's literally just like I breathe and I feel afraid. Like, (laughs) I, I am clinically anxious it is crazy to me. I've been to so many therapists and so many things. And it's like, it, it's it's my phone. It's my food. It's my, it's the air I breathe. It's like, it, the idea that you would just be like, oh, it's definitely this one thing. Like, no, it's it's like everything about I'm, me. <laughs> me too. Um, so, so yeah, th- this, this is kind of the key problem is that people are just assuming that these devices are bad and they'll just give any other random scale to correlate it with. What you tend to find and what we found in our work is the people that rate highly on these scales um, also tend to rate highly on anxiety, depression and stress. Now, I am a little bit obsessive. As I said, I'm a bit of a nerd. (laughs) Um, I went and looked a bit more at these scales and you can do some kind of sexy statistics, or I think it is. Many people don't. I think sexy statistics sounds amazing. (laughs) I want to take that class in college. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a machine learning course coming up next semester. Feel free to join. Amazing. Um, <laughs> sexy machine learning, Brit. It's sexy machine learning. Sexy machine learning. <laughs> okay, tell me about these sexy statistics. I gotta so, know. Um, I'll keep it really brief because, um, but essentially, what you find is that these scales are probably tapping into sort of um, mental health. So there's kind of no doubt that if you've got something that's measuring mental health and something else that is probably also tapping into the same thing, you're going to find a relationship. So you mean tapping in like in the sense that like just talking about the idea that something could make me anxious makes me anxious? Yeah. 
So they're kind of measuring the same thing. What we find is these scales are not measuring our behaviour or what we actually do with our smartphone at all. But what they are probably measuring is mental health. And that's a real problem because it just means you're correlating mental health with mental health. And of course, you find a relationship of some kind. And they're quite strong relationships. And, you know, this is where it gets really interesting. So in some of our lab's latest work, we have used these scales, these estimates, and also digital traces. So a wonderful person in our lab um, built smartphone apps that we could actually look at everything that they're doing um, in the sense of how long they spend on apps, not what they're actually doing in the app. And when you look at the relationship between all three of these measures, as well as mental health, you find the more objective the data is, i.e. measuring actual behaviour, you find no relationship at the end. So there's a big relationship between scales and mental health. There is something going on between time estimates and mental health. As soon as you go objective, where it's like, literally, what do you do with your phone? Nothing. Nada. The flattest line graphs you will ever see in your entire life. So it's basically just that, like, when you talk to me and, like, rile me up and ask me to think about it, I am not objective. But if you ask my phone, my phone will tell you something that is very boring and basic. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, what do you do with your phone? How long are you on it? How long are you on Facebook? People that um, are more anxious um, will probably worry more about their um, their mm. Facebook use or their phone use or that I've eaten too much or I've not eaten enough or maybe I haven't gone out for a walk today. Oh, God, is that today? So if you're anxious about lots of things you're probably going to rate higher on these scales as well because you are just anxious. You just described like my daily thoughts, like all of the things that I think about are just like, did I do this too much? Did I do this too little? Did I do this the right amount? If I did it the right amount, was it still bad? Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. Was yeah. it? It's got, something has to be bad, right? <laughs> I know. And this is the thing. So this is where like the research is such an interesting thing in this area is that the better this research is, and, you know, you find that these relationships between negative um, outcomes, so um, mental health and actual technology use, they're just pretty negligible. Um, and that kind of makes you think, OK, so there's probably not a lot going on there. However, we're also looking at this from a general level. So we these um, studies tend to look at just like your overall, how long do you spend on a smartphone or on Facebook or whatever, whatever. The thing is, is that, you know, what you spend your time doing on this platform is probably going to have more of a link to how you feel about it. So if you spend lots of time, you know, looking at cats, if you're a cat person, obviously, um, you're probably going to feel good about it. You know, I like looking at cats. They're great. It makes me smile. If I then go and spend a long time on a weird, horrible area of the internet, um, some deep hole on 4chan or in the deep web, you're probably not going to feel great. So the thing is that where the science is at the moment is we're talking about this in a really general way. We're not at the level where we're talking like, what do you actually do? And what are you looking at? And how does that make you feel? But this is no different to being offline. If you spend loads of time in a, with a group of people that are really horrible and they're nasty to you, you're going to feel crap. If you spend time doing things that you love and enjoy, you won't feel as crap. 
That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because like it's true. Like I when I was on Twitter at the during the US presidential election stuff, I felt horrible, but maybe not just because of Twitter, but because uh the world was very bad and I was very scared. Whereas like if I spend an hour looking at TikTok videos of otters, which I do a lot. Um <laughs> TikTok is great for finding real, just like Truly. a series of extremely cute things. Mm-hmm. And like that does not make me, I do not leave that feeling very sad or like I can't breathe properly. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like what I said earlier about like when I get trapped in the scrolling of like, oh, this person said something stupid. What? Let me look at their page and see all the stupid things they said. And then I'm there for 20 minutes and I leave that feeling like garbage instead of feeling better about myself like I thought I was going to. Like, yeah. I think that and that's directly saying re- replying to what you're saying, Britt, of like, yeah, if I hung out with that person for 20 minutes, I would that would suck. And I just did that through a virtual way instead of uh, doing whatever goal I had in mind. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like when I'm like I have all these Facebook groups that I'm a part of and they like I I like I have a whole Facebook group that's just about vaginas and like questions about vaginas and like. Like, I don't want to leave Facebook because I I want that resource. I want to always be able to go back to the vagina group and be like, what was that? What was that that just happened in me? Uh, Because I have so many questions and so many fears that like I need uh, I need, you know, just 400 people who are willing to ask answer a question about my vagina at the drop of a hat. Like that feels helpful to me. That's an amazing community. See, there should be more of these. I mean, yeah. Reddit has some great areas for this as well. I mean, the women's oh. subreddits oh are incredible. Gosh. Yeah. Even just being able to, you know, oh, I'm trying to fix this thing on my car and I don't know exactly what to do. You can go to Reddit and 50 people will be like, oh, you're having this problem? This is the fix. Yeah. Boom. Done. Like, it can be super helpful. That all makes me feel a lot better. But I'm still like, I guess, you know, when you watch all these scary documentaries, they're kind of like, there's these big companies and they don't care about you. And I, I believe companies don't care about me. I feel like my phone has, and, and all of the apps on it, right? Like Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. They are trying every day to, to suck me in, to keep me for longer, to make me be engaged constantly with them. And I, and I just, it's, like, that's something that wasn't happening to my brain 15 years ago or whatever before all this was happening. So how does that not, like, have a negative impact on my well-being? So, you know, how is it any different to um, an advertising campaign or a marketing pa- campaign? They're there between TV shows. They're wanting us to engage. They're wanting us to go to the shops or to buy things online. And this is just kind of what companies do. They, they need you to either engage with something or to buy stuff. And it's probably no different to that. Um, And I think the other thing to think about it, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, is that, you know, we are on these platforms because there is a community there that we are a part of or we want to be a part of and that we engage with because there's either an information exchange. So, you know, like the vagina example, you have a question about it and you're like, hey, I've got this thing. Has anyone got any advice for me? And there are loads of these online platforms that are just made for a very specific thing or something like Reddit, which is just, I don't even know what isn't actually on Reddit at this point. So you can, you can find literally anything and everything. Because, and that's kind of why you're there. You're coming back to be with the community. It's not necessarily the company itself. It's, it, possibly you can think about it in terms of like, why are you here? Why do you enjoy this platform? So I don't think it's something to be particularly anxious about. And 
yeah, I'm not sure if that kind of is that kind of answering your question. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because like I'm a TV writer. And so like when we write TV, I know that people are anxious about TV melting your brain, too, or were in the past. Like when we write TV, the whole point is to keep you there. Right. Like we want to keep you engaged. We write things a little bit more so that I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I guess, you know, one thing to think about, one thing that I wonder about is like I'm an adult. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better about you know, doing exactly kind of what we're talking about, which is like curating, um, you know, taking the things that that bother me or upset me out of my digital space. Um, but like, does this what about like, young, in particular, like, kids or adolescent girls, like, they don't always know that like, oh, you should use Instagram for the things that make you feel better. Yeah. Um, so that's a really interesting one. And I guess... <laughs> I guess, again, this is sort of where I think there's a really interesting um, thinking around, is social media actually a new context or is it just a medium? Um, In the Mm. sense of, like, Mm. is kind of looking at something that you possibly shouldn't do or it's not necessarily great for you because you're kind of curious as a teenager, is that any different to going to the area of the city that your parents say don't go because bad people hang out there so i'll always remember the example i grew i spent a lot of my upbringing in a tiny fishing village called beer yes like the drink oh you went from beer to bath (laughs) (laughs) i used to work in the pharmacy and it's only recently clicked why that was funny beer pharmacy (laughs) in my head so many pictures of me so many honestly (laughs) um but yeah, so this was this teeny tiny little fishing village and um, there was like a nearby city that everyone, all the cool people wanted to go to. And my parents were like, no, don't go to Bristol, you'll get stabbed. However, I just finished living in Bristol, did not get stabbed. Um, but it's just kind of, Yes. Um, but it's just kind of one of these odd things that, you know, I'm not sure there's much of a difference. You know, there's a huge learning process that people will go through during puberty and adolescence that, you know it takes time for you to kind of regulate yourself and to learn how to do that, where you're figuring out who you are, what you're interested in, who you're into and what you want to be when you grow up. And this is going to continually change. So I think this is like a continual learning process. Um, So I'm not really sure, like, this is a whole new thing. Like, is it any different to going to, say, sports clubs and going and joining other communities that want you to be there, but you don't really feel like you fit and you feel left out and, you know, being bullied offline, is that any different to online? And I think there's some really interesting discussions around this difference between online and offline and how that actually impacts people. Yeah, that's I'm, that's a really good point. I think even just the idea that, like, as a, as a layman, when I look at research, I always imagine that the researchers are making, like, the the journalists are kind of the people who are making the decision as to whether or not it's bad for me. Like the research a lot of times is is more agnostic, right? It's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that like, you know, we we know some things, but whether or not it's bad for you or good for you is mm. like kind of a bigger emotional question that is sort of beyond the capability of our current research, or at least beyond what we've done so far. Yeah, um, I think you're sort of, you're bang on there where lots of people looked at it, but as said previously, they've got really poor measurement practices and also just poor ways of going about the research in the sense of they just assume there is a negative relationship. So they will do, you know, anything to kind of continue to um, curate that narrative. And I think this is the thing that's, it's really interesting. But as said before, you know, we're focusing on this really general thing. And, you know, one of the most general terms, which 
um, I think everybody is probably bored to death by now, is this idea of screen time. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, no one really knows what this means. Like, does screen time just mean my phone? Does it include my television? What about my laptop? But no one measures all of yeah. those things. So again, it's like this remit of screen time is such a bizarre thing that's not defined. So what I would think of screen time versus you is probably different, and therefore we might measure it differently. But this isn't ever really talked about. So again, when you when no one has like a consensus of what anything means, it's going to cause a lot of discrepancies. My my big takeaway from this is like any research that I'm reading about social media and honestly, probably about anything, but especially about social media is like there's a big grain of salt just in the fact that like there are big limitations on the way that that data is being collected. There are big limitations mm -hmm. on the human beings who are collecting that data who might be coming at it with a strong sense of bias in the first place. Like there's a lot of reasons to not like do what I do when I read that and be like, oh, I'm dying, right? Like to not immediately assume that it's going to murder me, which is like the number one thing I do when I read an article is assume that I have just read about something that is my downfall. Yeah. And <laughs> one one funny thing that um, this is an awesome idea that um, so we we did another paper and this is a big group of um, I think it was like 10 authors or so across the UK that we um we want to take one of those psychometric scales that apparently claims that that's how, you know, that is reflective of your usage, but it isn't. Um, mm -hmm. We thought it would be funny to um, change the term from Facebook to offline friends um, to see <laughs> what happened. Um, and of course, what you then find when you literally build the scale, i.e. interchange terms, which is very common in the field, which you can probably gather is totally wrong statistically, but that's a story for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, we just interchanged these terms and gave it to um, hundreds of people. And we found that, of course, the majority of the people that did the scale were indeed addicted to their friends. <laughs> I, was, I am addicted to my friends. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's also like addicted is like this big buzzy word that we use that like, I don't think we always use it the way that like the, the small definition versus like, I mean... I'm addicted to water because I need it to be alive. It's, it, the bastardization of these kinds of terms is a problem. Like when yeah. you use those when you shouldn't be, it's, it, is, it dilutes actually genuine messages of harm. Um, because, you know, the term addiction, like if someone has an addiction, that, that is a medical thing. You know, that yeah. is something that requires treatment. And it's, it's similar to like how people will say, oh, I'm so OCD, I have to do this thing. And it's like, more often than not, you, you probably aren't. Um, so yeah. this is again is the thing is where we see these terms and disorders so like gaming disorder and you know apparently people are saying smartphone use disorder and all of these kind of clinified terms when they're not um, so that's the other kind of aspect of this research is that people will kind of go and say oh right so um, you need to, you know you're addicted to your phone or you're addicted to social media and therefore you should detox and actually there's no evidence um suggesting that, first of all, they're addicted because there are no clinicians involved at any stage. So there's yeah. no no one from a medical background who's actually saying, ah, oh, yes, indeed, this person does have a problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a big, important thing that we're missing there. Exactly. Yeah. Is there evidence of that? Like, are there people that are, is there evidence of being addicted on a clinical level to social media? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I've never seen it. Um, and so one of my wonderful colleagues did a, 
that she was looking into digital detoxes. And um, a couple of them actually did a a really nice study um, where they basically took people's smartphones away from them uh, for a 24-hour period um, to kind of see what effect that had, because in theory, they're digitally detoxing and they should feel marvellous. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think actually happened? They were like a little Nothing. bit annoyed that they couldn't Google their recipes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't look up how to spell stuff. Yeah, like the, it didn't have, you know, it, there is no real benefit from this. And, you know, it, you're not going to have these massive withdrawal symptoms. Like it's not a huge deal. Like you, you find other things to do. It's like before the smartphone, you know, we we did other stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's, it's not like this sort of came along and suddenly transformed. And we're like, oh, God, what? So it's like if I sort of don't have my smartphone on me, I will probably be reading something or I might be out having a coffee with friends like and it's super interesting that like this whole idea of sort of being you know using my smartphone too much or being on social media too much it's it you can kind of interchange that with something else so we basically we don't even know for sure that like I I I mean I guess at an individual level I can decide that I'm better off doing something versus being on my phone but on a on a broad level we really can't say whether or not like um, you know, I should I should immediately put my phone down because I should and go do something else because we don't really know. And it's possible. It's just as possible that it it could be causing something positive as something negative. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, these technologies are amazing. Um, I mean, the yeah. way they allow us to, you know, work abroad, but I'm not quite physically there, but I'm there with you in the States. You know, that's really, really cool. The thing that's kind of a shame about a lot of these narratives is that this ability for these technologies to actually transform and to, you know, enrich our lives to be able to do stuff. It's amazing. The, the amount of knowledge that we literally have just that we can access at any point in time is incredible. But that's never talked about. It's just kind of <laughs> your phone's going to cause you to be depressed. So so this is something that, that I'm wondering about as we're talking about. So like on a broad sense, like we really don't have the data to make strong judgments about like usage of social media in general but I'm wondering like sometimes I bargain with myself and I'm like oh I know Facebook is bad for me so I'm just going to use Twitter Uh, and I was wondering like are some social media platforms less harmful than others or is there any sort of understanding about that? I'm not aware of any study that's particularly gone and looked at that however I think one thing to note is that the way people use their social media platforms is really diverse So it's kind of difficult to kind of, again, make another broad stroke argument to kind of say, you know, Instagram is inherently awful for people because you'll have some people that are there because they're running their business through it. You'll have other people that are just there to look at pretty things. You'll have people there for the cats. Um, And, you know, there are obviously areas of that that will probably be negative content for probably anyone that looks at that. Um, But that's the same as any other site is that why people are there and what they're doing um, is kind of unique to that person. So it's difficult to make this broad kind of thing of this is obviously a bad website versus this is a good website. It is just kind of more about what are people actually doing? And that's a much harder thing to actually research. And the thing is, the only people that really have that data are the companies. And they don't want Mm. to give us their data, I assume. No. So the closest like um, that I've got for kind of understanding what people are doing on the social media platforms is I interviewed lots of people during my PhD and even some of them did a walkthrough where they showed me some of their platforms and it was really, really nice. And 
you could kind of see these nuances of, you know, why people would post something to Instagram versus Facebook. Um, and you, know, you just yeah. get all of these really nice things of like how they curate their content and sort of what they want to be and who they want to be on there, because it gives you that freedom to kind of play with these identities, which is such a nice kind of ability to be able to do where you can express yourself. And that's a really nice thing that you can do with social media. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure that any site is particularly better or worse. I think you have ones that are particularly... Um, they do go in that direction. So, you know, 4chan mm -hmm. is typically not a delightful place to hang <laughs> out on. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you will have these pockets of the internet. And this is sort of anywhere, but, you know, it's, it's probably the same as offline places. Like, you will have groups of people that are just into negative behaviours that, again, if you start hanging out with them, it's probably you're going to have a bad time. So this, again, is this kind of interesting thing of like, is it really any different um, to kind of offline, online? And, you know, th there's a lot of similarities. There. Yeah. So maybe to me, it kind of just seems like as opposed to I spend all of this energy worrying about the concept of social media, the concept about being online, the concept of like, oh, no, should I throw my phone away and go live in the woods? That seems like what really needs to happen for me to have a good relationship with social media as opposed to just throwing my phone away and being like I'm done with it is to is to take a conscious approach to how I'm engaging with it to look at you know how like what different things I can follow that can that can make me feel better versus worse and and take some responsibility and, and looking at that as opposed to just like running around with a chicken with my head cut off like screaming about like the internet will kill me you know <laughs> probably yeah i mean but then again like there have been a couple of things where th there was a mad huge study that was on facebook where they kind of adapted people's content to see how that impacted people mm -hmm. and the effects were teeny tiny like tiny um, as well. So again, it, it's, it is it is kind of down to the individual where it's, you know, it's kind of what you want to do. And that again, the same as offline, you know, I could choose to go have coffee with a friend or do something completely different. So I think there are some really interesting things that research needs to look into, which is like, how do people make those decisions? And how do people decide what they want to do and what content to look at? And, you know, th there is a lot of work that needs to be done in this space, because actually, you know, we really don't know a lot about what people actually do with their technology. And I think that's oh, the wow. kind of the key, a, a mm. key take home is that, you know, some of our work and a couple of others have started to take these digital traces and to look at what people are doing. You know, there's not a lot of work that actually does this because it's hard. We, d we just don't know at the moment. We know people are pretty habitual. We know that at least at the general level, there is basically no relationship between um, how much you use um, technology and mental health outcomes. Um, and also, you know, there was a great study that came out that actually if you game, you're probably going to feel happier. You know, that came out just recently, like gaming is a really positive thing. You've got great gaming yeah. communities. And this is a study that Oxford did. And it's really nice to actually finally see. It's like when you actually have data from people doing things, mm -hmm. it tells a really different story. So, again, we're still, unfortunately, in kind of in doing work properly, that research is kind of in its infancy. Yet the negative narrative of sort of badly done research, unfortunately, is not in its infancy. And that's been around for a long time. And that's the narrative that people easily latch on to. Yeah, we have a full-blown adult man of negativity just running around on top of the baby <laughs> that is like, wait, maybe it's fine. <laughs> I know, we're like, please leave us. <laughs> please don't kill the baby. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense, though, to your narrative, Brit, about 
like people saying TV will rot your brain or video games are bad for you. Like, and then as more research comes out, those narratives are false. Do you see that happening with the social media narrative of like, there's this current narrative of like, oh, it's bad for you. But as more research comes out, do you think that might backpedal a little? Yeah. So um, when you're looking at social media in particular, they're really guilty of using all of these scales or using these time estimates. So all of the research, again, is just using those because, again, to get social media data as to what people are doing, it's quite difficult. And it's it gets a bit more complicated than the smartphone because the smartphone is just this thing here. Um, whereas, like, on your social media, if you want to actually get someone's social media use, in theory, you probably need to kind of look at their browser use and you also need to grab it from their phone because you can access it across multiple things. So if you're going to have to get it from various devices, that gets complicated. Or mm-hmm. data from the actual company itself, which is not likely to happen. So <laughs> again, it, it kind of shows that, generally speaking, all of the work at the moment is relying on dodgy measurement. And therefore, it kind of means that any kind of finding that you see, you kind of need to take with a bag of salt. That's a great that's a great takeaway. I feel like overwhelmingly, I'm just like, okay, yeah. maybe maybe take a deep breath before I read anything. <laughs> I'm relieved, I, honestly. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, I have just a couple of, of last questions for you. One big question I have is like, you're the expert. How do you use social media? Like, how do you use it? Oh, so much. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, so I'm really... I use Twitter a lot. Twitter's great fun. Um, I use that primarily mm-hmm. for um, work, actually, because it's a great way to kind of cyber stalk all of the other very sexy academics that are doing really cool work that <laughs> I get I get research envy a lot. Um, so you see really neat research. So that's a really nice way to see what's going on and to keep in touch with people. Um, Instagram, I look at a lot of cats um, and particularly sight hounds. I really love the long nosed dogs. They're amazing. Um, a lot of food. Um, I will be on there for a really long time and I'll find a thing. I'm like, that cake looks amazing. What is that? And then I'll go onto Reddit or just the general internet and be like, what is this thing that I would like to bake? So um, I use it for recipe hunting and for just sort of sharing artworks. I'm an artist, so I'll put stuff up there. So it's kind of more of a creative outlet. So I like to think it's a bit prettier than the other things. Um Reddit, I spend a lot of time on. Um, it's very mixed. So I said, we talked about the women's sort of subreddits and forums. So that's been really nice to read. It just makes me feel kind of empowered. It's nice to see other strong women talking about what they're encountering. And it's amazing. Um, there's a lot of cats. So many of the things I subscribe to as cats. It's quite awful, actually. Um, there's a lot of academic stuff on there. Ah, oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's quite mixed, actually. Um, I mean, it sounds to me like you use it. You like I was kind of wondering if like you would say like, oh, I check my phone for an hour and that's it. But what it kind of sounds to me is you use it like everybody else does, which is to say you use it very integrated into your life. You use a lot of different social media apps and and you have a lot of different kinds of engagement with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think anyone who probably says otherwise is probably telling a bit of a fib. Um, you know, my... <laughs> this is as comforting, though, as like watching a doctor eat a donut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I... And it's like, you know, during the pandemic, like, of course, my screen time has gone up. Screen time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely on, on my phone more. I watch a lot more TV. I'm on my laptop. But if you're all iPhone users, you know, they give you the weekly updates. And yeah, mine, mine is 100% higher than it has been 
I mean, I mean that isn't it is higher, not that it's hundred <laughs> percent. That would be impressive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think it's just something that it's good to be aware of how long you're on them. Um, but I don't think it's anything to, that people genuinely need to be that concerned about because I'm pretty sure as soon as if the world was back to normal tomorrow, we'd probably be back outside going, eating out, seeing people and, you know, going back and doing what we enjoy, which is not now more exclusively on digital devices. Yeah, I think that that like that area of like aware but not concerned is uh is the trick for most of us like anything that you're not an expert in you just just, maybe it's just me but like you just assume like I should be concerned about the way that I'm doing it as opposed to just being like oh this is something it's very it's very hard to look upon you know your social media usage in a neutral way uh it's Mm. very hard to not just be like oh like even when I look at my screen time I'm like oh I spent this many hours on the screen it's like well but yeah of course I did because there's what am I supposed to do knit I haven't quite got that far yet either (laughs) I really admire knitters though I think it's amazing like it is amazing amazing, but even I actually do know how to knit and even if I'm knitting I paint I do all sorts of stuff I do those things while watching tv that's really cool Uh, yeah so you multitask right yeah. yeah um I keep on feeling I should teach myself how to knit, but I, f- I feel like I get bored quickly and I, I'm just, I think I sort of start bouncing. Knitting is not the most fun thing to do, I would say. I can't, I can't tell if it's really tedious, but the thing is, I'm very good at repetitive things. So um, I, I'm also an archer and, you know, that is literally doing the exact same thing again and again, like at least 60 times in one competition, <laughs> exactly the same. So I feel like I probably have quite a good mindset for this, but who knows? I really love that just at the end of this conversation, you've slipped in that you are a competitive archer, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I was competitive in my undergrad. I'm not now, but um, yeah, I feel like I should go and get the bow out. But um, yes, no, it's very exciting. Um, that is cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I like lethal hobbies. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I maybe kind of, I might kind of know this from what you've said, but I'm just want to kind of, hear it from your mouth like you know I came into this feeling very anxious I would say I feel a lot less anxious now um a a lot less afraid of you know picking up my phone and looking at it I don't feel like it's gonna make me explode um but I'm curious like as a person who has a lot of the research and knows a lot about it like how afraid are you of social media not really at all um awesome I think, like, out of all the things that I could be concerned about, um, that is just, that just doesn't even rate. Um, and I, I'm an anxious person in general. Like, um, yeah. I, you know, I worry about everything all the time. It is really tedious. Bless my partner for dealing with me all the time. And my dad. Mm. My dad is wonderful. Yes. He's very good at kind of saying, Brit, I think <laughs> you're doing it again. Um, so I think it's just, like, the things that, like, I would just generally be concerned about is just not technology or social media. Um I just see it as something that I do and that I do enjoy. Sometimes I get mad at it and I stop using it for a few days and then I'm like, oh, it's probably fine and come back. But, and I think that's a natural thing. But I mean, being anxious, I'll worry about everything. I, I, I definitely yes. have worried about my technology use before, but then I realize it's probably because I'm worrying about something else and I'm just looking for something to latch onto. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely I, I look for something to latch onto. I latch onto everything in the world and then I just have to be like, oh, you just feel funny in your tummy now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, I that is the why. time that I will worry about my tech use is that when I'm probably worried about something else but I don't want to think about it so I'm just latching onto whatever is literally in front of me yeah my the last question I ask all of my guests Mm. is like aside from what we've talked about today which I'm happy to hear that you are you're not very afraid of it like um 
what does make you most anxious or like what scares you the most in the world? Oh, what scares me most? Um, oh, I feel like th- this is one of these funny things that instantly I end up sort of thinking, oh God, work and sort of making sure that I'm being the best that I can be and continual self-improvement and feeling like, <laughs> who do I want to be in five years? That kind of scares me because I... I feel like I don't know and I feel like I should, but I feel like most people don't know. Um, And yeah, so I feel like a lot of, so if we're talking about like very me-centric things, you know, that's the type of stuff that I worry about all the time. Um, I think the big broad ones, you know, you know, it's just like money in the UK is just being, is being reduced to go to anti-bullying and we're putting more money into other types of military and defence, which, you know, it's like, I can't, you know, why? So, you know, I think that my concerns will come back to sort of people, society. How do we maintain it? How do we improve it? How do we improve, like, systemic sexism and racism in the workplace? I mean, academia is not the easiest being, like, a female in STEM, yet alone someone who is potentially um, of another race that's not white, you know? And I've spoken to so many people about this. You know, these are things that I worry about because, um, you know, I've had some tough times in academia because of this. And, you know, I worry for people that I'm supervising now that, you know, all of these amazing women that are going to have to fight. And, you know, I'm really yeah. pleased to help them with this. And it's just something that it's like, I just wish they didn't have to. You know, these are the things that I worry about. It's like, you know, equality, you know, feminism, just, you know, making sure that, you know, the world is the best place it can be for these people around children and, you know, making it as safe as possible. You know, that is kind of where my concerns typically lie at the moment. Yeah. Well, and it's it's also like those things are it's like those things are so big. So it's easy to get distracted by little things like like my personal usage of things. But like those are really the big the big things that are worthy of our concern, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to have talked to you. You are so smart and so fun to talk to. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any social media handles that you would want to share with our followers and and invite people to follow you on? Yeah, I can give you all of the things. Um, It's at Britt Davidson is my Twitter. And that's Britt with one T. Um, Unlike my Zoom handle. And my Instagram (laughs) is um, B.ISA9. Hang on. I changed it recently because uh, you'd think I'd know this, wouldn't you? Um, oh, yeah. God, what is well, this? Well, I mean, on. I have to check mine all the time, even though it's been the same for years. Ah, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was about to say completely the wrong handle. Um, it's B.ISA1824. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've made me feel so much better. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Again, that's Dr. Britt Davidson. She is an assistant professor of analytics at the University of Bath and an expert on the impact of digital technologies on people and society. Thank you, Britt. Thank you so much. Wow. That made me feel so much better. So much better. (laughs) I'm relieved, honestly. Honestly, just even the, the thing that she said about like, you know, that we we our usage doesn't change over time which means that like whatever they're doing to try and suck me in like i'm not that concerned about it anymore because i'm i'm consistent i'm consistently on the internet (laughs) right i also like that it it seems that it wasn't so much the time spent but more how you spent it uh and like in real life uh you know if you spend your time doing crappy things you're gonna feel like crap 
Um, so yeah. that made me feel a lot better because a lot of my social media usage, you know, is looking at the looking at fun videos or uh, posting about stuff that I'm doing and excited about. And so those things are fulfilling um, yeah. and not like a ticking, you know, amount. Oh, you know, I'm using this as a time thing. That made me it feel feels, a lot better. It's a motivation also to sort of just like go through your Facebook, your Twitter, your whatever, and make sure that it's got things in there that make you happy. Like instead yeah. of just following like CNN, like are you also following otters? Because that's important for you. <laughs> yeah. Are you in groups uh, like yeah. your vagina group that, that validate you, make you feel good um, and are a good community to be around? Yeah. And if not, find some groups like that. So your time spent is better spent. Honestly, maybe spend more time looking at dogs is what I've got from <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> and like, yeah. even just like what she was saying about like, it really helped me to contextualize to have her say like, you know, people have always been afraid of technology and like people have, have been saying a lot of these similar things, you know, about technology for years past. It kind of reminds me that like, oh, I don't think TV melted my brain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I just remember being a kid and, you know, having limits on the amount of TV I could watch, the amount of video games I could play. And now it's like, well, that was a load of crap. And yeah. <laughs> didn't need that at all. So I don't know. I feel like social media. I Yeah, I think that's the trend. And I think it will uh, slowly be revealed that it's again, it's, you know, if you're doing bad things on there or things that are hurtful to you, that's probably hurtful to you. But being on there for five hours a day isn't detrimental. Yeah, instead of getting all obsessed about, like, is the specific thing that I'm doing, like, it's more about your personal experience as opposed to, like, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm going to yell at myself for, for looking at my phone because I'm alone and I want to. And it's like, I want to. Yeah. Let me do it. <laughs> yeah. Let me do things. Let me do what I want. <laughs> and just, like, the idea that I don't have to be so afraid. I love TikTok. I love I love certain corners yeah. of the internet. They do make me, I, they make me feel good. And so... Totally. It's nice that I don't have to be so afraid of them. Yeah. So before we go, I just wanted to ask, do you have any, so, do you have any social media handles? Do you have I any do. social media handles that you want to share with the universe to have people follow you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You can hit me up on uh, Facebook or Instagram. It's Vinny Tangerlini on both of those. Uh, I don't use them too much. <laughs> But uh, but they're there. They exist. You can check out the cool stuff I'm doing. I'm you know everything's virtual right now, but I'm still doing a lot of virtual improv, which has been kind of a beauty of the virtual realm. Um, so if you're into that, it's you know it's short, it's entertaining, it's a a different form of media. If you get tired of your TV shows, your endless Netflix options, you want to see some idiot with a mustache uh, dance around. You know you can check that out. I have seen, I have watched some of your virtual improv shows, and I find them quite delightful. They're sweet. They're a different thing. They're not the highest caliber of art, but man, you know, I mean, we're doing what we can and sometimes they are just stupid and we're making each other laugh. And that's for me all, all the better because man, can we all use some laughter right now? So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Vinny. I love you. I love you too. Good to see your face. Oh, okay. That's the podcast. More Scary Soothing next episode. This podcast was produced by Mervyn Daganos, Lucas Whipple, yes, that's my brother, and me, Andra Whipple. The music was by my parents, Gail and Tim Whipple. They make jingles and also humans like me. So sing us out, Mom and Dad. Please won't someone tell me I'm okay. Was that okay? <laughs> I think
big 20 might be it. Don't have the accent for it. I just, mm. it doesn't quite. There are a lot, you have had used a lot of good words just over the course of this conversation that I'm like, can I incorporate faff into my, I don't know if I can. I'm very Midwestern, like. Oh no, faffing is a fabulous term. Faffing <laughs> is really good. Faff about. Um, yeah. Exactly, yes. You, you, it's just, it's such a good word. Okay. I feel like as soon as you say it, everyone knows exactly what you mean. It's, a, it's one of those words that it sounds like it is. I know, it's so good. Um, yeah, the, the Brits do have some very delightful words. Um, so yes, <laughs> anyway, I'll email you the, yeah, I'm so sorry, tangenting. Um, I'll email